Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds today. Can you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at U of M? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Finlay. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in the Social Environment and Health Program at the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research. I'm also affiliated with the Center for Social Epidemiology and Population Health in the School of Public Health. Overall, I'm an environmental gerontologist interested in where people live as they age and how it affects their health and well-being. In what areas does your research focus? My research focuses on the experience, needs, health, and well-being of diverse older adults who are aging in their homes and communities. And this really ranges from social networks and healthy aging to supportive housing and accessible neighborhood infrastructure. And during my PhD research, during interviews with older adults, one of the greatest fears I heard about was dementia and Alzheimer's, um, a very relatable fear of losing yourself, as well as losing the ability to live independently at home and potentially needing very high cost care. And so this led to my postdoctoral research at the University of Michigan, focused on neighborhood context of cognitive decline. Um, and I researched how communities that provide physically active, socially engaged, and intellectually stimulating resources and amenities may actually support the cognitive health of aging Americans. And we're finding really exciting results. We're seeing that access to places like parks, senior centers, coffee shops, museums, and galleries is actually associated with higher cognitive function and reduced risk for cognitive decline among black and white aging Americans. I'm also co-investigator of the COVID-19 coping study, which is a mixed method study of nearly 7,000 older adults across the United States. And we began the study about a year ago in April of 2020 to understand how the pandemic is affecting the health and well-being of aging Americans. And participants have shared with us many, many wide-ranging impacts and experience of the pandemic, everything from um, disruptions to daily life, to shifting social networks and online engagement, um, as well as very fundamental changes to their neighborhoods and communities since the pandemic onset. You joined Michigan Minds last March, just as the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. And you discussed third places and social infrastructure and the importance they have to communities. Now that we're a year into many businesses being closed due to public health measures, can you share what some of those impacts have been to the establishments as well as to the communities? We're seeing continuing trends of temporary closures due to public health and safety measures, as well as permanent closures of these places, institutions, um, when they go to business given the economic recession, as well as consumer shifts. Um, and industries that are particularly hard hit over the past year include leisure, hospitality, and travel. That really trickles down to local impacts um, where we're seeing third places being closed or operating at very limited capacities, such as places like restaurants, coffee shops, bars, community centers, gyms, and libraries. And we're also seeing a continuing widespread shift to online services and amenities. So a different way of using social infrastructure where it's more online given the very necessary public health measures in place to help curtail the spread of COVID-19. Um, and this can be everything from 
online religious services to exercise classes, grocery stores, um, and other retail. Um, so we're seeing a shift in engagement, but again, some of these just can't be replaced fully by online contact or online services. And that really is impacting how people are kind of living their everyday lives and, and their mental health and, and, and social well-being. Um, and in our COVID-19 coping study, we actually asked participants directly about this. We asked them how the pandemic has impacted their communities. And, and many, many brought up how sad they were and how isolated they felt given both temporary and permanent business closures and how it was impacting not just their mental and social health, but physical health as well. Not being able to go to exercise classes or not feeling motivated to get outside. Um, they really missed a lot of these aspects that were so important to daily life. Um, whether it was kind of gathering with friends and family uh, in cafes or coffee shops or other social places, but also just that informal, the informal ways we kind of soak up ambient contact, not necessarily meeting someone for coffee or getting a massage or, or an exercise class, but just sitting somewhere and being surrounded by other people. Maybe it's a communal sense of, of laughing in a movie or, or watching an art show. Um, people really missed the sense of community that we have through these places. Um, and so it was, it's really been keenly felt, I think, over the past year and continues to be so. Um, but it, it's also not just a story of kind of, of losses and, and victimhood, but there's also resilience opening up as well. We're hearing a lot of stories of, of people bonding together, coming together to take on causes and, and social support each other. Um, and even some mentioned that the worlds have opened up for them. Um, some have written to us about being disabled or largely homebound and saying that their worlds actually opened up because there's so much more infrastructure now online to engage and receive support and be part of a community through online forums. So which communities have been affected the most by third place closures over the past year? That's a tough question. Um, I think what comes to mind immediately are vulnerable populations. Um, for example, those who are homeless or transitioning out of incarceration, um, they really can rely upon third places for very fundamental life needs, such as, um, you know, if you've, if you've been in prison for, for decades, potentially going to a library to get email access or um, get access to job markets and, and to have social workers even in those libraries, all those spaces are now closed um, and not available or, or potentially without kind of full online access. Um, we're also hearing that some of the disparities that already exist are, are really being exacerbated. Um, for example, not everyone has access to online. We don't have broadband internet access across this entire country. And it's not just rural areas that don't have that full coverage. It's even low-income urban areas often don't have some of that online support to be able to get access to this kind of online shift of third places and, and services and amenities. Another community that I think of as being affected is kind of both ends of the lifespan. Um, we've already talked about older adults in the previous question, but for example, I have a toddler um, and when our daycare shut down, he was so isolated from other children and it really broke my heart that we, we if the playground is too busy, we would have to leave or I have to pull him away from other children. Um, we know that school-age children are really missing out on kind of fundamental parts of their childhood and social learning experiences. So at both ends of the lifespan, I think communities are being affected by these closures. 
Um, but then again, I know many of us middle-aged adults are also feeling keenly the loss of our places that were so important to everyday life. So it's sort of a hard answer to give because I think so many communities are, are affected in different ways. It's just the level at which we're affected and do we have the resources and coping skills to overcome those losses. And some of us have more kind of coping mechanisms available to us given our resources than others do. Have you seen any innovative steps that third places have taken to remain engaged and accessible within their communities? Yeah, like we've already talked about, we've really seen an explosion of online infrastructure. So shifting to online formats, whether it's taking exercise classes or being part of a book club or religious services, we're really seeing a huge growth of online communities and supportive forums. We're also seeing some creative ways of maintaining physical distance in third places. Um, for example, you see restaurants that have built igloos or other small structures so people can dine in the outdoor part of the restaurant um, on their patio, but still completely isolated from other diners. Um, so there's, there's creative ways of kind of manipulating space to still um, have that engagement if you're able to in person. Um, and I think we're also seeing a growth of informal third places or social infrastructure through new forms of volunteering and civic engagement. We've heard wonderful stories of, you know, community supporting mask making and grocery and food delivery. Um, so ways of coming together kind of to maintain these civic ties and social support through these tough times and, and, and really also a community support of local businesses, for example, so they could stay in business um, during those early months of the pandemic when it was times were really tough uh, economically as well. How has the pandemic impacted social infrastructure overall? Has it evolved throughout this past year as the pandemic has progressed? That's a great question. Um, and it's something we're still really trying to figure out and unpack. Um, I think we are seeing very fundamental changes to neighborhoods and communities. Um, for example, we've seen the permanent closure of a lot of retail establishments or, or food and drinking places um, that may not necessarily come back. And we're also seeing these shifts to online. So people are increasingly comfortable using online services and online forms of social connection, which for better or for worse, I think we've seen that some social networks that were grounded with in-person contact have broken down, but others have grown up in this year, giving people bonding together in new ways. Something I've been really encouraged to see and hear lately are more of conversations about the importance of self-care, of mental health, and social well-being, and the kind of importance that third places have in supporting these really important elements of, of, of health and well-being. So we're increasingly thinking about the importance of a coffee shop, or a park, or a library, or like you mentioned before, our call started uh, the, a massage place that you go to, like the, the importance of these to our well-being is being increasingly recognized. And so I think that these third places can be often overlooked as really mundane places, but we're hearing about the importance of them, um, of our engagement in them and our support of them. Um, one other element that I have heard about from our study participants is that even after widespread vaccination, they still expect to have fears and anxieties about going into social settings and, and gatherings in crowded places. So I think we need to think through in the future how social infrastructure may continue to need to evolve uh, to, to support people who may or may not feel comfortable in uh, large gathering spaces. 
Um, and that's gonna be something that we really need to think critically about um, to provide these different ways of supporting people in the future, given perhaps lingering fears of virus transmission and other just fundamental changes to our communities. Why is this an important topic to discuss with our communities? I think it, it affects all of us. I think that third places are really essential to the social fabric of our communities. They're places to come together, to support one another, to feel less alone, to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and so they're very ordinary and just sort of places to hang out, but they are so essential to our physical, mental, cognitive, and social health and well-being. And so while it's easy to overlook that um, bench on the corner or that little coffee shop, it, they're, they're just so important for different people in different ways. Um, and I think that we could have really long-term implications if we have a continuing closure of third places of the in-person contacts and sense of community that we derive from them. So we need to keep thinking about ways to engage in these spaces safely and comfortably and and happily, and then also ways to support these businesses that may be struggling uh, through kind of a shift in, in the ways that consumers use spaces and expect to have services and amenities delivered to them. Is there anything else that you want to add or share? I think right now it's, it's the end of March uh, 2021, and, and there's a feeling of hope. Uh, we have spring weather, we have vaccinations rolling out across the country. Um, and so it, it's a sense of hopefulness. Uh, but I think we still need to reach out and connect with those who may be still struggling or alone. Um, we know that there's not equitable rollout um, of, of vaccines. We know that there is not equal impacts of, on communities. The pandemic is really exposing and exasperating some of these structural inequalities that we have in our society. So, so really, I think just a note to take the time to think about those who might still be struggling, even as we have a sense of hopefulness and progress moving forward, and check in with others to see how we might continue to support them in the months and you know years to come. Um, I think that uh, it's just a, important uh, to continue our connections and to check in and to continue prioritizing you know, self-care and mental health and social connection, even as we hopefully return to more of a kind of post-COVID-19 era. Thank you so much. I think that uplifting note is the perfect place to wrap up our conversation today. We so appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.